It's Tuesday, October 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Molly Fool Funds, Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. That's true. I am here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. This is a, yet another episode where if we had started running, if we'd started re- running the recording device about ten minutes ago, <laughs> well, uh, we weren't talking stocks. It was basically <laughs> Dan Boyd trying to convince me to go to the 9:30 club in a week or two when Guar is playing. Oh, you got to. <laughs> you got to. Don't wear anything you like. Yeah, yeah apparently, because you've been to a Guar concert. Oh yeah, it's you just... gotta go. I, I feel like I, I would I, go, except I've got to go do anything else. Right? Yeah. I was no, I'm, say, out of, I'm out of town then. I would totally go. I, I feel like if I went, first of all, I'd I'd be the oldest oldest person there by a factor of no, absolutely two. not. Now this band's thirty years. They've they've been around for thirty years. So the performers are older than me, maybe, or you're as pr- old. You're as pretty old, man. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah, they are. They they absolutely are. For those unfamiliar with Guar, we'll see if we can convince Dan. Maybe just after the credits of today's episode, just a t- a little taste, a, a tasteful taste. Of Guar, but let's yes. start. No nudity. No, no, no in that nudity. clip, please, please, because you know, among the dozens yeah. of listeners, there are a couple children out there, so no nudity. <laughs> We're going to dip into the full mailbag, uh, but we do have some earnings to get to, uh, including Comcast, which had a heck of a quarter. But let's. Start. They had earnings. They had not some, results. They had some earnings, but let's uh, let's start with another company that had some serious earnings, and that's Alibaba. Uh, second quarter revenue three and a half billion. That's up thirty two percent year Dollars. over year. Yeah, profit better than expected. Yeah. Um, and and mobile, they're really crushing it with mobile. It was a hundred and eighty two percent rise in mobile revenues. That's astounding to me. Yeah. So Alibaba is one of those companies that and and. For a lot of structural reasons, uh, we haven't owned it, and you know, and and it's one that you know we remain very skeptical of. But as a business, it is pretty astounding, and uh, you know they they have built themselves a lot of natural advantages. And so, even if you look at China and you think China's China's e- economy is under some stress, which it absolutely is, Alibaba is one of those mutant companies that can kind of float to the top. Well, and so. The- Let's talk about that for a second, because some of the stories that I've seen today um, are are taking the results from Alibaba and extrapolating them uh, to maybe not extrapolating. That's that's probably an overstatement. They're, they're basically using the results of Alibaba to make the case that hey, the Chinese consumer is a lot stronger than you may yeah. think. Huh. Yeah, like is that. Is that the case? Because it's you know depending on which U.S. based company you asked, right? Um, maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. Right. We could do this by by form of allegory. Does the U.S. consumer equal Amazon, or does the U.S. consumer equal Walmart? Right. Right. I mean, two of the largest retailers in the U.S. and they're going different directions. I suspect, and I believe that Alibaba is Amazon. In that allegory, that 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 they are taking business from other channels, so I don't think that you should make an extrapolation. Now, it is entirely true that China desperately needs for its con- consumption segment of its GDP to grow, and they're doing everything they can to make that happen. So, I would call I would call Alibaba sem- symptomatic, and maybe a bellwether. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of the Chinese con- consumption market is anywhere close to what they've done. The stock is up today. Over the past week, it's up about 12%. Yeah. Is, is there... Uh, Back above, above its IPO price. Yeah. Um, is there... I guess the question is, what are you looking for before you become interested in this stock? And 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 maybe the answer is, you know what? There's just uh, too much about the uh, regulatory environment that I just don't like. Yeah, I think from a from a, from a corporate structure perspective, they have you know they 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 have a, a number of things that as a foreign minority shareholder make me too uncomfortable. To me. You really, I don't love situations where, at the end of the day, I simply have to trust one guy, and I have, and I have absolutely no recourse or minimal recourse. And you know, do I think Jack Ma is pretty talented? I really do. I think he's, you know, I, I, I really do. But I don't like how he's he has structured his company for my shareholders' assets. I just, I, it's just not something that I, that I'm comfortable with. Comcast is the largest cable provider in the U.S. Third quarter profits rose 17 percent, and I mean, it looked like the cable results were fine in and of themselves. The smallest decline in subscribers in a while, so I I, that that is fine. I mean, I think that I think which is better than the industry average. Like you know, you know, to the extent that cord cutting is going on, Comcast seems to be faring better than their cords are surviving longer than most. Yeah, Um, yeah, I, I. I think that's right, and Comcast happens to be in some some pretty good geographies where there is natural there is natural uh, population growth, and so I think that that probably helps. Um, yeah, they had good results. I, I you know it, it is it is interesting that they seem to be bucking the trend a little bit. They did have some s- substantial additional revenues from you know from from some of their value added businesses, which is which is definitely encouraging for uh, for Comcast shareholders. Yeah. Comcast owns uh, NBC Universal, so all of those properties, including uh, NBC Sports, uh, CNBC, etc., they own Universal Pictures, yeah. um, which had a massive quarter. Uh, film revenue up sixty-four percent, and I don't know if you saw this. This blew my mind because let's face it, movie studios would love to have one blockbuster hit in a year. They've got three. Yeah, <laughs> Jurassic World, it's pretty good. Fast and Furious Seven pretty good and the minion uh, movie the minions movie yeah. yeah all of which have taken in over a billion dollars at the box office yeah i think you might not want to model in that being repeated <laughs> well, you know what i mean congratulations right yeah. i think that you know, yeah you probably don't want to model it in but by the same token that's some good was, case was yeah I, I get the dinosaurs yeah i get the fast cars you don't get the minions is that where you're going don't don't tell me there was anyone on this planet who, when that movie was getting ready to come out, said, "You know what? That thing's going to do a billion dollars." The minions. The minions are. I, hey, look, I take a backseat to no one in my enjoyment of the minions, but a billion dollars? A I, billion? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. That's that. That's 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 multiple commas. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Uh, no, I think. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think people had I, I I think people had high hopes for the minions in terms of being, you know, a pretty good money winner for them. All I know is that every member of my family, including myself, were really really excited for the minions movie to come out. I was fifth out of five, but yeah, all of us were excited. 
Um, but you know what? I mean, you're right. No one should look at Comcast and and book three billion dollar movies <laughs> for the next three calendar years. But th- these are sequels. I yeah, mean, these, and you know these are not yeah. standalone films. And that's one of the really interesting things about. It. Although the the Fast and Furious was going to have some structural issues. Now, I mean, they had one of their lead actors uh, tragically passed away uh, in Paul Walker. So they will have to do some restructure and probably a reboot of you know of that franchise but this is exactly the thesis that you know that 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 a lot of investors had for dreamworks for example when you have these this library of characters and this library of movies that you can pull from and boy comcast really really struck gold this time and it and and it really proves that out and in a lot of cases you will see that these sequel movies outdraw the originals. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address from uh, Matthias Carlson, who identifies as Swedish listener number 884. Uh, Matthias writes Boy, that's a lot of Swedes. I've, I, you know, that'd be amazing. If I, I don't think we have that many <laughs> listeners in Sweden, but maybe he knows he's there. Yeah. Maybe he knows something I don't. He knows a lot of guys. Um, I know there is really no shortage of interesting companies on the U.S. stock exchanges, but do you, and in that case, how do you, keep track of interesting international upcoming companies? And the obvious follow-up question, what's the most interesting international name right now? Um, let, let's go with the first question. From, just from a process standpoint, and you've made this point before. There are a lot more publicly traded companies outside the U.S. than yeah. there are inside the U.S. Yeah, like fifty thousand total. Right. So, yeah. how do you begin to uh, set your gaze around the world? How do you begin the process? Is it by region or is it by industry? It's really by region. It's it's actually by both, but I would say primarily by region. And and we practice. Uh, the John Templeton School of Investing, which is we want to go into the into the markets that have seen the most uh, trouble, that are the the lowest price, the ones that are on near crisis footing, and we go in and then we start looking at the companies that are within those markets because people when they get out of markets they're like just get me out right they don't say well I'll keep that I'll keep that so get me out so you can find a lot of really good companies within troubled markets. So, you know, for example, one that we've talked about here in the past is Brazil, which, you know, if you were to, you know, if you were to open the newspaper or open your browser and look for news on Brazil, almost guaranteed it's not good. Right? Um so that that's that's essentially how we, you know, we scratch our curiosity gene and go and, you know, and, and look for companies around the world. And when you look around the world now, uh, what uh, is of interest to you, whether it's by region or by industry? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say that uh, that 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 some of the oil services companies have been really beaten. You know, have been have been really beaten down. Core Labs is one that uh, you know that we've been looking very closely at as a, you know, and we'd identified it. You know, I I want to stress something about how we do what we do. We're not generally looking for new companies. We might have identified these companies years ago, and it's possible that we've owned them for long periods of time, or we've owned them in the past. Those are our favorite types of situations. So you have companies that you've known for a long time that happen to be based overseas. Um, Core Labs is one. Uh, Schlumberger is you know is is another. Um, you know we're looking in markets that are really really uh, hated. Um, 
There's a company that it was an old hidden hidden gems company called Sadia. Uh, it is now part of a company called Brazil Foods. They make their it's a chicken processor in Brazil and the Middle East and you know and and, and in other markets. And it's a great company. It's an absolutely great company. It's been and it's just been ignored by the market for a long period of time. Uh, before we wrap up, you and I were in the same neck of the woods on Sunday uh, because Sunday was the Marine Corps Marathon. Yeah. Um, which your wife ran? She did. It was her first one. Very, very. Proud. That was her first marathon. It was her first. I thought marathon. she'd run them before. No. No, no. She'd run a couple of halves, so she'd you know try and combine them and call them a marathon. But no, this was her, this. <laughs> this was her. See, I've run a couple of half marathons, and that was enough to make me go. I don't think that I, there, I don't want to yeah, run a marathon. I don't think that there's anyone more appreciative of people who are finishing a marathon than people who have just finished a half marathon. Like I remember, I ran a half marathon this last year in Virginia Beach, and you walk up the beach, and the people who are the marathoners who are, are coming in, and you're like weeping for them because you hurt. <laughs> You hurt, and you know that what they've done is just did what you did, and then did what you did again. So, yeah, it's. I know a lot of people have done it, but it's an incredible. It's an incredible thing. It's a, it's a really emotional thing, and you know. And my wife, you know, yesterday she's like, "I'm a marathoner," and um, nice. Yeah, one of the really interesting things is she, you know, is is the Marine Corps Marathon is called the People's Race. It's all through D.C. and through you know through Arlington, and. People really come all out. And my wife said she felt really, really bad because miles like 22, 23, and 24 are in this neighborhood just north of here called Crystal City. And she said it's the part of the race in which people are losing hope, right? Like it is the painful part <laughs> right. of the race. And she said the people from Crystal City were out in force and they were wonderful. And she felt terrible because she just, she couldn't even. <laughs> I got no love for I you. I got no love for you. So I'm going to say this here now. People of Crystal City, <laughs> the marathoners may not have shown it, but they deeply, deeply appreciated what you did for them. That's great. I, um, I did the 10K race, which is basically the last six miles. It's amazing because the 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 people who uh, organize the Marine Corps marathon race they've got you mean the Marines the Marines but there's like <laughs> a, it's, it's it's its own standalone yeah. division but they um, so the races go off at the same time the start of the Marine Corps marathon is in Arlington the start of the 10K race is uh, on the Mall in D.C. right near the Smithsonian and so I'm very familiar with that part of Crystal City. Um, there was not nearly the, the same kind of crowd uh, when I was going through there earlier. But yeah, it's it, it's it's really amazing. And I always uh, I think this is the sixth time I've done this 10K race. It's my favorite because not just because it's incredibly well organized that kind of thing, but as you said, it's the People's Marathon. Um, there's no money involved. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. and and it's just impossible to be in either of these races and not be inspired by. Yeah. The people who are running the signs, you know, there are always people running who have um, a picture on their back, and it's a loved one who, you know, served in the military and is, uh, for one reason or another, is no longer with us. Yeah. And um, and it's really it's really pretty amazing. I I for a while I was running with a guy who um, um, was carrying a, uh, the American flag on yeah. a huge pole, and, <laughs> and and we were going along at the, at the same pace, and I just thought. 
I'm tired, but I really can't say anything because no, this exactly. guy's this guy's running at the same pace. He's got <laughs> this guy's not exactly using the wind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth Jason, who works with us and is a is a veteran marathon runner. I mean, he's incredibly fast. I can't drive as fast as he can run, but he he said it really well. He said, if you don't get teary eyed at least once in the Marine Corps marathon, you are just not paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for being here, man. Good to see you, man. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.